Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It's been a couple weeks, but we are back. It is Monday, April 27, 2015. It's been uh, three weeks now since Duke won the national championship, um, and we are headed into the offseason. So without further ado, uh, I'm your host this week, Sam Klein. I am joined by my usual co-hosts, Donald Wine in Washington. Donald, say hello. Hello, everybody. And Jason Evans in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, so since we won the national title, the good news just keeps on coming, on coming, on coming. It is good, good, good to be a Dookie. Uh, I will say, more importantly, not only is it good to be a Dookie, it's good to be back. I haven't talked to you guys in like two weeks, and, and for the for the four or five weeks before that, it felt like we were talking two or three times a week. Uh, so it's nice to hear your voices again. It's good to uh, hear from you, too. I miss um, you, too. I, oh, man, that's, that's, that's so adorable. Um, but let's uh, let's get into it. There's, as Jason mentioned, there's there's been a lot that's going on. So I'm gonna let me know if you guys think this is okay. I'm just gonna quickly run down sort of the highlights of, of what's happened to Duke between cutting down the nets in Indianapolis and and today. And we'll kind of pick at whatever things pique our interest, and I'm sure we'll end up touching on all of it. So uh, that's, does that sound all right to you guys? Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Sure. All right. So. Uh, as we mentioned two weeks ago, Duke won, or three weeks ago, Duke won the national championship. Tyus Jones was the most outstanding player of the Final Four. The uh, since then, Tyus, along with his classmates Justice Winslow and Jaleel Okafor, have announced that they are leaving after their freshman seasons to enter the NBA draft. They're all presumed to be first-round picks, and Okafor and Winslow, especially, are, are predicted to go very high in the draft, if not both in the top five. The most important news we got, I think, is that Grayson Allen said that he's coming back. Um, and then we had a couple of interesting recruiting notes. Duke picked up three recruits for the class of 2015 in the last few weeks, the first of which was Antonio. All your Frank-Kovic. recruits belong to us. All your recruits yeah. belong to us. <laughs> I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Vrankovic or Vrankovic? Vrankovic. Vrankovic, right. Okay. Thank you, guys. Uh, he goes to high school in Florida. He's a, he's a big guy, 6'11", 275. And then we, after Tyus Jones announced, we picked up a point guard, Derek Thornton, who plays at Finley Prep in Nevada, which is a, sort of a questionable academic institution. But, but if Coach K says it's okay, then, then we say it's okay. He is going to probably slide into Tyus Jones's role as the starting point guard. And it was especially notable because he is going to be reclassifying. He was originally in the class of 2016. He's going to be moving up a year. It sounds like he's already finished four years of high school, so it's just a matter of um, you know, taking his SAT and making sure that he's, that he's academically qualified. And then today, the biggest news that we got was that uh, small forward Brandon Ingram, who's considered one of the top players in the class and is a North Carolina high school student at, in Kinston, he announced that he's coming to Duke, uh, picked Duke over UNC, who had been recruiting him, it sounds like, his entire life at NC State and Kentucky and Kansas, and basically everybody wanted this kid. Um, and, and he was the big pickup this afternoon. There was a, a lot of chatter on the forum about it. And in, in the meantime, Duke also had their end-of-season banquet. They uh, unveiled the 2015 National Championship banner, which they're going to put away for the summer and then finally raise for good at Countdown to Craziness in the fall. And Coach K had a few interesting sort of deviations from the script for the for the banquet this year, the most notable, I think, of which was that he announced that Marshall Plumley, Matt Jones, and Emil Jefferson are going to be captains next season. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on for Duke. Uh, I will start with Jason, who uh, just raced home 
from the Atlanta Braves game tonight to be with Braves us. beat the Nationals. And Braves beat the Nationals. Yeah, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about about the, the National League East and how horrible it is so far. Uh, I know that I have friends who listen to the podcast who are Mets fans that so they they want to jump on me as much as possible. Um, but Jason, I'll start with you. What's kind of been the most surprising thing? I mean, there's been a lot that's gone on for Duke the last few weeks. What has stood out to you the most of all this news? Uh, most surprising thing, I think, probably was the, the commitment of Derek Thornton. Um, uh, most significant is probably Brandon Ingram, just because he's so highly regarded. And and uh, the fact that Duke got him is a big deal, not just for Duke, but also for Kentucky and especially for UNC. I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, uh, it's going to, you know, I, I have endless things I think that I can say about the Brandon Ingram re- recruitment and how significant it is. But I want to talk about Derek Thornton first because um, you need someone to steer the train. You need someone to drive the truck, whatever the heck you want to call it. You need a point guard. And Duke did not have one. Um, there have been a lot of us who talked out, oh, maybe Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard can combine and do this sort of together. And maybe Matt Jones even has a little bit of it in him. Uh, or maybe Duke will get a fifth-year transfer. We were certainly looking – everyone knows we're looking at um, uh, Dylan Innes, uh, I believe was his name, the, the kid who was Tyler Innes's brother, uh, who was a fifth-year potential transfer from Villanova, who was a point guard. Um, but to get a player, the quality of Derek Thornton, to convince him to reclassify and, and commit to Duke – what was huge. It was absolutely huge. This is a kid who is a, he's a pass first creator kind of player. He's not one of these big scoring point guards who's going to dominate the ball. So this isn't a Kyrie Irving kind of point guard. This is more a Tyus Jones kind of point guard. Now I don't want to imply for a moment that Derek Thornton is going to be another Kyrie Irving or Tyus Jones. Those guys, you know, uh, certainly set themselves apart in, in some really fantastic, wonderful ways. But Darren Thornton is a, a big deal and, and is going to play a lot of minutes for Duke next year and is going to be one of the huge keys as to whether this team is in a position to maybe, maybe defend the the impressive national title that we won just a few weeks ago. I think without Derek Thornton, um, uh, it, it would be very hard for you to project Duke as as a national title contender. With him, with what we've done the past you know week and a half or so recruiting-wise, Duke is still, not still, Duke is very much in the national championship consideration for 2016. It is good to be a Dukey. Yeah, I think that you you make a good point about Thornton, and, and it's it's a similar point for both Thornton and for Ingram, which is that we bring in really talented players that allow us to have a little bit more roster flexibility. You know, as you said, it, the, the thought was that if we didn't get any of these point guards we were looking at, that we were going to be looking at a Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard, um, point guard spot, which I don't think anybody was super thrilled about. Now you plug in Thornton, he's probably going to get something like 28 to 30 minutes a game playing point guard, and Grayson or, or Luke or whoever is going to take up that ex- that last 10 to 12 minutes. So in those situations, you're sort of running a different offense and you could mix it up and not have a traditional offense with a point guard in the front. And then the same thing, I think, with Ingram, where you've got that big wing player that Duke likes, you know, we had Justice Winslow last year uh, in the past, guys like Kyle Singler and Grant Hill and Mike Dunleavy, uh, those, those sorts of guys who seem to be integral to Duke winning national championships. It seems like we have a player like that in Ingram. I, I don't know that he's necessarily big enough yet to be uh, to be muscling guys around. But well, he, he's, ta- he's tall enough. He's just, he's if, you turn him side, if, he, if you turned him sideways, he's so thin you wouldn't see him. Yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> 
I, I was uh, I was in Kyle Singler's class uh, in, in college, and and it was it was known around campus at least his first couple of years that he was on the the Coach K mandated cookout diet. Uh, he was he was drinking a lot of milkshakes to get to the to get to the weight that Coach K wanted him at, so that he could he could bang a little bit down low. And I imagine that that uh, that uh, Brandon Ingram is going to be on a similar diet. Uh, but I'll I'll throw it over to to Donald. Do you have anything to add on those things that Jason brought up? Was there something else that that stood out to you? Uh, well, I you know we we forgot to mention that um, uh, Justin Robinson will also be in this class. He you know with this class now filling out, I think it's much more likely that he'll redshirt as he uh, indicated when he spoke to us a couple months ago. Uh, that he was looking at redshirting. But now that we actually have a full class, that makes it a lot more possible uh, for him to be, you know, developed slowly. And he, I think he'll also be on that cookout diet uh, with Ingram. So it'll be good. They'll be buddies uh, in the, in the line with the hush puppies and milkshakes. But uh, I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think the, uh, the key here is that uh, the reports of us falling off next year uh, were very, very premature because, uh, our coaching staff did a ridiculous job getting these three guys in the span of a couple weeks. Uh, Regovic, you know, in my in my mind, kind of came out of nowhere. I'm one of those guys that don't really follow recruiting uh, until close to the end because I don't like getting so involved in it that it takes away from the team that I have in front of me. Um, and that, and, and I don't, and I, I don't mean to say that be, to say that other people. Uh, other Duke people do that, but just across the nation, we had this big emphasis on recruiting and I like to stop and kind of appreciate the team we have in front of us and then worry about who's coming in to kind of fill those gaps. So I was really happy to see Thornton reclassify. I thought that was a really huge get, um, especially with him reclassifying to, uh, to be, to, to come. Uh, and I think that getting Vrankovic was actually a very good move because one, it was under the radar and two, it was, uh, it's a big man. We, we, you know, next year we have Jeter and we have Plumley, and now we have a third guy who can come in and bang. And one of the issues we had this year, it, it turned out not being as much of an issue, but issues that we were that we thought we were facing was a lack of depth in in, in the big man if, if Okafor went out. So if Jeter gets in the foul, Donald, I, I think you're forgetting about Sean Obi. Sean yes, Obi's Sean Obi, absolutely. Sean yeah, Obi's absolutely. nothing but a banger. And in yes. fact, I think there's a possibility. I mean, I, I don't, it hasn't been talked about the way it's been talked about with Justin Robinson, but I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be entirely shocked if Rankovich um, redshirted as well. Uh, there are not going to be a lot of of minutes available to him on the front line between Obi, Emil Jefferson, MP3, and Chase Jeter. There ain't much time left there on the front line. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point, and uh, and Obi coming in will be huge. He, you know, was he, he was a ten and ten guy his freshman year uh, at Rice, so uh, I, I think he'll be a nice little addition, especially that he's been in the system for a year. That'll only help. I thought Frankovic, uh I've seen some of his uh, his highlight reels, and he has some really good post moves. So I think if he can build on those, I think a year in the system will get him to the point where he'll be able to to contribute as a sophomore. Uh, and finally, Ingram being just the man and I saw uh, I, I watched a lot of the festivities surrounding the McDonald's all American game, which took place earlier this month. And, or I guess it was late last month, right around the time of the final four. And one of the things that was takeaway universally was that Ingram was the best player in practice. He was the best player on the floor. He was the best player in that 
uh, of the 24 guys that are selected as McDonald's All-Americans. So for him to be wearing that Duke blue today is really, really nice to see. And I think he's going – the sky's the limit for this kid. I think he's going to be really good next year. And I think he's going to be a really good complement to the guys that we have coming in as well as the guys that we are that we currently have. You know, I want to yeah. comment really quick about Brandon Ingram. So, sorry, just uh, no, a yeah, point about – about him being so good in the McDonald's All-American game and at the McDonald's All-American practices. The reason I'm really excited about this kid is um, Brandon Ingram, if you look at where he was as a recruit, uh, you know, six, eight months ago and where he is today, he was he was sort of considered like mid-teens. You know, he was like 12th, 15th, somewhere in that kind of ballpark um, as a recruit. Uh, he comes to Duke today. Uh, ESPN recently redid their rankings as the number three recruit in the class. Everyone says he had a phenomenal senior season, um, both, both you know, in terms of all-star games and things like that, as well as his performance on the floor um, uh, playing, you know, in North Carolina high school basketball, which is, you know, pretty serious. They take their basketball pretty seriously in the state of North Carolina. Um, and and he's rocketed up the rankings because he's improved so much. And you love getting a kid like that who who seems to be constantly improving. You know, he's been getting a little bit bigger. His shot has gotten his shot supposedly has gotten much better this year. He is a legit three point threat, um, which is something that people didn't necessarily think he would be in college uh, a year or so ago. It, it's a it, it's great to have a kid like that. Because you know, if he's been on this arc where where the arc is pushing him higher and higher, the odds are fairly decent that he's going to continue to improve, continue to get better once he arrives at Duke. Um, uh, it is very likely. You know, if you told me six months ago that Brandon Ingram was going to come to Duke, I would have said to you, okay, well, he'll be a nice complimentary recruit. You know, he, he may have a chance to start depending on who's there. I think everyone now agrees Brandon Ingram absolutely is going to be a starter and and could very well be, you know, alongside Grace now on the focus of Duke offensively. Um, and, and uh, you know, he's a big deal. Um, you guys can talk about him a little bit now. Uh, I'll, I'll go away. Uh, but at some point, we got to talk about what this means to Carolina. Yeah, I actually was going to transition with um, Donald brought up the McDonald's All-American game. In years past, I believe it's graphics has put together these videos where they get the, the Duke guys who are at the game and the UNC guys who are at the game to like That's always a great video. Session. Yeah. yeah, it's always been, you know what? They didn't do it. This year's was UNC, the best. I this year's think, video was the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think UNC had any dudes at the Mickey D's game this year. Um, so they didn't get a chance to do that video. And if they had, it would have just been Luke Kennard mean mugging for the camera uh, <laughs> with Chase Jeter. Um they, they didn't have that this year, so I'll uh, I'll actually, Jason, I want you to start because you were you were enthusiastic in bringing up the the topic in in our introduction. Um, what does this mean for Carolina? Where are they going from here? Um, and and what does it say necessary? You know, uh, pertaining to Brandon Ingram, you know, I think we saw some comments from him about how he would have committed to Carolina months ago if it hadn't been for the investigation that's ongoing. What does it say about them going forward as a program? Um, it does not say good things. Uh, now he made the comment that he would have committed to Carolina. It, it was it was some months ago when he made that comment, and uh, you know a, a lot of people sort of think that he made it a little bit off the cuff and that he he wouldn't have actually he hadn't decided on Carolina except for the scandal. And, and I don't know how you take the scandal and remove it so much from your decision making process that you could say, oh, minus this, I would be at Carolina. I mean, certainly he would face tremendous um, uh, playing time pressure at Carolina because Carolina has a pretty good number of wings. 
uh, I, I think the story here has got to be that North Carolina, the cloud of the NCAA and the impending penalties that everyone assumes are coming at some point just hangs over Carolina. They can't get they can't even get a recruit from a part of the state of North Carolina that they have ruled for a long, long time. Um, a friend of mine sent me an email tonight, and he said that the, the, the dragging on of this very public scandal is actually the best punishment we could want for Carolina. Um, Carolina has not signed a significant recruit in something like 18 months. The guys that they're getting, the guys that they got for this year are 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 absolutely not even ACC level players, let alone top tier players that Carolina usually gets. Um, many of Carolina's best players will leave after next season. Carolina does not appear to be in great shape with 2016 recruits. By the way, the 2016 class is considered a great, great high school class. 2015, not nearly as much. Um, and at some point we could talk about the fact that Duke is supposedly in great shape with 2016 kids, but putting that aside, uh, this NCAA scandal may not end up costing Carolina titles and victories in the past. People speculate about that. It could happen. It may not. But I think we're at the point now where there is little question that the scandal is impacting Carolina victories and potential titles going into the future. They're going to have to have their, their 2016 recruiting is going to have to be off the charts good, the kind of stuff that even Duke and Kentucky don't necessarily do all that often, or Carolina next year is going to be terrible. Um, uh, they've, they've, they better hope they win this coming season because their future looks incredibly bleak. Um, they have not been able to bring in anyone significant. I think Carolina, they just have to be in absolute panic right now. And by the way, do you guys want to hear, a friend of mine sent me some of the best comments from from inside Carolina about the Ingram recruitment. Do you guys want to hear a couple of these? Some a couple of the let's, choice uh, ones. Let's, that let's talk about that. I'm sure I'm sure we've already seen them because uh, I, I know that I know that Donald follows IP meltdown. But uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, go ahead and give them back to us. Yeah. So well, here's one of my favorite ones. Brandon Ingram is 18. He's young and stupid. Loyalty means nothing to these kids anymore. Getting to the NBA and getting their first Mercedes is all that matters, and he has the best chance to do that at Duke. I love that. They they think that. <laughs> <laughs> so another another good one. Um, they called him Brandedict Arnold as opposed to Brandon Ingram. Brandedict Arnold is going to get it be a long line of dirty players who play for Duke. Uh, they're going to miss Winslow badly this upcoming year, and will no doubt hire Ingram to fill the void of flops, grabs, and blatant karate chop kicks that was left behind. Oh God! Yeah, the uh, just, the. The, the Justice Winslow karate kick that happened, I think, was it at the game at UNC? That is one of their favorite topics. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, uh, it is going to be real it's gonna be real dirty when Brandon Ingram just yams on one of them in, in the <laughs> That'll be dirty. That's a dirty player for you. And then the last one that I really liked was uh, Duke and K-Rat. They love to talk about how K looks like a rat. It's just so childish. Manipulated a fine young man out of a chance to join the Carolina family. And instead, he's going to throw away his education on a one-year sociology degree. Okay, let's let's dwell on that for a moment. This is a Carolina <laughs> fan talking about how a kid going to Duke is going to throw away his education. Does this person have no sense of irony? Does this yeah. person not understand that they're under the cloud of a scandal? You don't, you don't, you don't see me right now athletes? you don't see me right now i'm i'm leaning back in my chair like i'm on a beach like oh we're gonna talk about this now go ahead let's talk about this, let's, <laughs> let's, let's this yeah you want to uh you guys want to you guys want to walk down this hallway all yeah. right fine we'll, you want to throw these stones let's do it 
Can you believe that? Can you believe someone <laughs> said, I can't believe he chose the Duke education in Carolina? That's a it joke. It is the internet after all. Oh, my God. You're never wrong on the internet. Uh, yeah, right, man, so some, someone else take it. I'm, I'm laughing too. I'm laughing too. Someone else. Donald, what do you have to add to this? So, so I saw a tweet earlier. There's a couple of tweets that I saw that were pretty fascinating. Um, the first one was about UNC. It, it said that UNC has given out 13 offers to the class of 2015, and so far they are 0 for 11. Uh, there's Kenny Williams and Jalen Brown who are still left on the pike, and uh, they're not I, getting Jalen Brown. They're, they're not, not getting Jalen Brown at all. No. So Kenny Williams is literally their their Obi Wan Kenobi only hope um, in that area, and that's just absurd. Like for any college, like you like I don't think Butler offers thirteen people and only gets <laughs> one. Maybe like nobody does that. It, but for UNC to have that problem, that's a major problem. And another thing that I saw that was very interesting in the shifting gears slightly, um, it was talking about this void that UNC has created with this scandal with the looming with the looming accus or you know human charges or whatever you want to call them. Uh and they were saying that who was supposed to step in and fill this void, not just in basketball, but in football. And they said, okay, in basketball, yeah, sure, Duke would probably catch a couple of their recruits, but a couple of their recruits would probably go to Kentucky or probably go to Kansas or some other elite, you know, program. Uh, and maybe a couple of the in-state kids would go to NC State. For football, they were thinking that NC State was going to clean house with the with the recruits that would have gone to UNC. Duke is killing NC State in both basketball and football for recruiting. I thought that was very fascinating. That the backup, if you want, if UNC fans will probably say, "What's the backup plan for these kids?" Um, and Duke has been the backup plan for both football and basketball. So I thought that was very fascinating. That. Uh, and, and I think it's a testament to both Cut and his staff and Kay and his staff. Like they are yeah. destroying everybody. I was on I was on a cruise last week uh, when we were off. Uh, you know, uh, no free people out there. We do go on vacation, so when we decide to take a week off, I decide to go. On I, a I'm, cruise. I'm I'm the only one on this. I'm the only one on the show that goes on vacation and still calls in. And still calls in. Yeah, I was on a boat, so <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. But right. we have enough internet to know that in the week I was gone. The football team's recruiting class for 2016 went from 23 in the nation to nine in the nation. And that was with two recruits. And that is ridiculous because these recruits were recruits that were taken basically stole that these guys grew up in UNC and NC State background like territory. And Cut just came in whilst in the front door and said, You're coming with, coming to Duke with us and got him. So I, I think that is, you know, and both sides, both football and basketball, and, we are killing and by the way, those- game. Those guys were recruited like you guys don't you guys may not remember when I, I, I sort of used to pay attention more to Duke football recruiting and you, routinely you would see Duke signing kids who had chosen Duke over the Citadel or maybe Fordham yep. or something like that. Now I'm looking at kids like all the kids that we're getting, you know, like, oh, they had offers from Ohio State, West Virginia. Uh, you know, it's like crazy. The the the. The the way we have improved our recruiting, I, I I saw someone sent me an email or something like that that in the past year, um, Cut has signed more four star recruits than Duke has gotten in the past decade or something absurd like that. It's like, and, and then when you think about what he did with nothing but two and three star recruits, oh my gosh, the four star recruits, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've I've alluded to the fact, and I, I've talked a little bit about how I worked for the football team for a little while as an equipment manager. 
So I I got to hear a lot of Coach Cut inspirational speeches. If if he is as good in a living room as he is in front of of a hundred people at at football practice, I can't imagine having a meeting with him and then just not signing up right there to go to go walk off a cliff for the guy. Um, he's he's that good. The staff that he's got signed, uh, the, you know, the staff that, that's been working with the football team is is incredible at this sort of thing. And and in football, in particular, you know, I think that in basketball it's a little bit of a different scenario because. The, the coaches are seeing these kids at all the, at all the same camps, and and the the Duke staff is running into the UNC staff and the Kentucky staff at, at every basketball event, and and the kids know sort of who's good and, and and who's not. In football, I think it's a lot more nebulous and it's a lot more on the individual relationships. It seems like the the Duke staff is so good at developing these relationships with these kids and showing them, you know, all the benefits there are to coming to a school like Duke, where hey, look, with you know with with modest recruiting talent, we've been able to accomplish so much. Just think about what it's going to be like if you guys come. And and obviously, this is the pitch that that every staff wants to give to these kids. Every staff is going to say, "Well, we have this plan for you," and all these things. Duke seems to be closing on it. And the last couple of years of football recruiting have been have been outstanding. I'm excited to see, you know, what what uh, a quarterback like Chad Surratt is going to do for Duke. He's that the four star who committed last week who. I saw people were comparing him to Marcus Mariota because he can run and he can pass and he puts up gaudy numbers. I, I don't expect that Duke is going to be Oregon 2014 in in two years, but hey, you never know. Um, oh, I had but, one more. I had one more quirky anecdote that I had. So go for it. Yesterday, um, I went down to Durham. I went down to Cameron um, for the fourth annual Wonder Glow Foundation three on three. Uh, go to hell cancer basketball tournament. I'm one of the advisory board members there. And, and so we went down, I went down for the tournament. It was like a 24 hour blast. It was a lot of fun. We got to play in Cameron. Um, those of you who want to do it next year, I'll, I'll get information to you if you know me. Um, but anyway, I was in Cameron and um, I got a phone call from uh, a walk, a fifth year senior on the football team. Um, and he, it was the annual iron Dukes thankathon. And for those who don't know, I was a video assistant on the football team back when I was in school. This was under uh, Carl Franks and then the interim five, six games of uh, Ted Roof um, back in from 2002, 2004. So I got a call from uh, from this fifth year senior and we're talking about football. And I'm like, oh, that's really funny. Uh, I'm standing in camera right now. and They have to be in the Iron Duke media room, which is in Cameron as well. Uh, having this thankathon, so he was literally about fifty feet away from me making this phone call. But later on, I got back, and Iron Dukes posted a photo of the basketball players taking their turn doing the thankathon, and it was Ty Jones and Jaleel Okafor. And that got me because when people declare for the NBA draft or the NFL draft, most people leave campus to get ready for said draft. They're not going to class and they're not, they're certainly not doing thinkathons. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool that in spite of all this, especially in light of what their lives are about to change, they're about to get drafted and, and into the professional world of basketball. And they took time out of their finals period to come and make a, make a few phone calls and thank, thank some Iron Dukes for, for supporting Duke athletics. I thought that was pretty cool. I love yeah, that. No, I that, love that. That's a, that's an awesome story. I want to transition a little bit. I think we've, We've kind of hit on a few different topics that that I expected we were going to talk about, but maybe we were just a little bit um, hey, a little hey, bit out of sorts. We're in the off season. I got, yeah, go ahead, Jason. Wait, 
before we get off of recruiting, because I, I sense that we're about to get off of recruiting. We um, are. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to throw something out to you guys. Um, are we now Kentucky? No. You know, it, 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 it's a thing that, that my friend and I were talking about earlier today, and there is a little bit of a sense of that. Um, that the, the, I think the question is, are we Kentucky in a good way or are we Kentucky in a bad way? The, the good way is that we're getting all the kits that we want to get and that, and that they're coming in and they're being successful and that um, you know, they're, they're taking up the Final Fours, which works this year. It hasn't worked really in the one-and-done era for Duke in the past. The bad way is we're getting kids and we're not, we're not having them be a part of the, you know, the, the whole total school culture and that they're, that they're not really getting the college experience before they you know, realize their riches and go to the NBA. Well, I, are, are, aren't, aren't they getting that for one year? I mean, isn't the story that Donald just told, which, which I was aware of, and I'm glad, Donald, that you brought it up, about these guys staying on campus, um, thanking the Iron Dukes, thanking people for, for helping out the program. Um, you know, doesn't it look like maybe what we're doing is, yeah, we're bringing in one-done kids. In that sense, you're right. We are Kentucky. And by the way, Brandon Ingram will be a one-and-done player. Um, I think even though the last time we were on, I think I ranted for a while about how hard it is to predict who's going to be one-and-done. You know, I, I guess we can project that Brandon Ingram probably, very likely, but will probably, be one-and-done. But, but if he is, he's probably the only one coming in next year who, who does fit that profile. And remember yes. a couple I, years ago, I, we were I, talking I, about that being Chase Jeter. Uh, yeah, and I don't yeah. think that Chase Jeter is going to get going to get that opportunity. When when, yeah. he, when Chase Jeter first committed to Duke, people thought he was one and done. But so so, but but I was going to say, um, uh, to me, the difference, the reason I think we are not Kentucky, is um, the guys, even though they were only here for a year, they were part of the Duke community. Um, again, Donald's story is illustrative of that, but. Uh, you know, everything I heard from people on campus, everything you hear about the way these guys conducted themselves and were part of the program, they were part of the Duke community. They weren't just here, you know, for one year as a basketball audition for the NBA. You know, at, at Kentucky, they have a special dorm for the basketball players. They don't they don't room with regular students. Um, that's not true at Duke. The the guys are part of the Duke community and, and they do go to class unlike at UNC. Yeah, I, I, I actually, um, I was listening to, I don't think I brought this up when we did our season wrap a couple weeks ago, but I believe Justice Winslow was on, we did an interview on the SVP and Rosillo radio show on ESPN the Wednesday after the national championship, so two days later. And Ryan Rosillo was asking, he's like, so what's it like, you know, coming back to campus, you guys are big stars now won the national championship and everything, and Justice Winslow said something like, yeah, you know, we, we, we stayed out late Monday night because we had won the game. We came back Tuesday. We had the, the welcome home thing, and now it's Wednesday, and uh, I had class this morning. I'm going to class this afternoon, and Ryan Vistola was like, what do you mean you're going to class? Like, you're leaving for the NBA. You, like, why are you still going to class? Justice Winslow was like, I don't know, man. You got you to gotta go to class. Like, what, what do you mean? What, like, what else would I do? Um, I got class today. And, uh, and, and Ryan Vistola is one of those ESPN guys who – who likes who likes to you know talk straight with those with with the athletes and doesn't want to sugarcoat things with them and he was like I, I can't believe you're going to class and, and Justice Winslow floored him with yeah of course I'm going to class he's like and, and Rosillo's response was all right you know if that's if that's your thing then then go ahead I loved that I loved hearing that at that point 
we all knew basically. I mean, it was 99% sure that Justice Winslow was leaving for the NBA. And whatever classes that he was enrolled in this semester, he was still attending the week after the national championship, the week after, you know, his face has been on, on national television, you know, 24-7. I thought that that was cool. And, and, and Donald's story illustrates the same thing, that yeah, I, I think that you have a point, Jason, that I think we are in the in the situation that is sort of the best one to be in, which is that the kids are getting the best experience while they're in school and that they are using that experience to springboard them into their careers and hopefully be successful. I love it. I love it. All right, we can um, move on from recruiting now. <laughs> so, so, so since, we, since we're talking about their, their careers and where they're going, I wanted to talk about the NBA a little bit. Um, the college basketball season is over. The NBA playoffs have just started. We're still in round one. A few teams have advanced into round two, including my Washington Wizards. But uh, I wanted to focus on a few of the Duke guys who are still left in the in the NBA playoffs and making big contributions. We, I think at the beginning of this show, when we started doing this in the fall or early winter, we said, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about Duke in the NBA a lot. And you know what? There's just not a lot of time during the, during the college basketball regular season to touch on the NBA because there was so much interesting stuff to talk about at Duke. So we decided that we're going we're gonna to talk about the NBA here. We're going to highlight some of the Duke guys. And I know that we had, we had divided up uh, a few of the players that we were going to especially highlight because they're playing on prominent playoff teams. Donald, I'll start with you. Uh, who, did you who did you highlight and who do you want to talk about as far as Duke alumni and the NBA go? So I drew uh, the homie K. I. Kyrie Irving um, of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, they actually just shut out or they swept the uh, Boston Celtics last night. Um, and are on to the second round. I believe they play, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they play the winner of, um, uh, who are those two Chicago teams? and Milwaukee. Chicago yeah, Chicago-Milwaukee. Yeah. And it was it should be Chicago, but uh, Milwaukee has actually uh, come on the last couple of games, and I think they've uh, forced the game six uh, as of this. So uh, so they they get to have a couple of days of rest, um, which is good because Kyrie has been going off in this series. He's been playing very well. Uh, it's basically been, you know, the big two, uh, most of the season, uh, or at least most of the last couple months as opposed to the big three, but it's really the big two now, uh, with the news today that, uh, they just lost, um, Kevin Love for the, uh, at least the conference semifinals. So at least the next round. Uh, so Kyrie, and it sounds like, and the, maybe, it sounds like maybe the whole playoffs, it, it sounds like maybe the whole playoffs, get through if you the saw finals. the injury, it was not, it was not good. It was not, it's not one of those. Uh, uh, separated shoulders that you can, or dislocated shoulders that you can just pop back in and keep playing or, or, you know, tough it out. He was in some serious pain. So I think he's probably out for a long period of time, if not the rest of the playoffs, which means that Kyrie is going to have to step up even more. LeBron's going to have to step up even more. And some of the role players are going to have to step up. Um, I think it's going to be a very tough matchup if they do end up facing the Bulls, uh, which the Bulls are up three to two now. Um, if they do them facing the Bulls, it will be a very tough matchup for them because I think, Kyrie and Derrick Rose will have a really, really good matchup together. Um, the only issue being Kyrie can go for 40 minutes, 48 minutes if he needs to. And so far, Derrick Rose hasn't been playing that many minutes, which is by design. Um, but Kyrie has been playing very well. It's for, for a team or a lot of people uh, over the last couple of years have, have expressed concern about how Kyrie would perform in the playoffs if they ever made it well. He's on that stage, and the first game he had one of the games of, of his life. He, I mean, it was uh, 
one of those one of those games that everything seemed to be going right for him and for the Cavaliers as a result. And he hasn't really shied away from the pressure of the playoffs, which I think is great. Um, it's something that I, you know we saw glimpses of when he was here and uh, wished that he would get the chance to shine on the on the national stage. Uh, we've seen it even he, we've seen him even do it on the international stage. So now he's getting a chance to do it on one of the greatest stages in basketball, the NBA playoffs, and uh, he's been doing splendidly. And he actually makes me sort of uh, root for the Cavaliers. Um, I, I say this as a Detroit Pistons fan who hates the Cavaliers most times, but I really – I love Kyrie's game. Uh, I, I love him as a player, and, and it's always fun to watch him play. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm glad that he is now able to play in the playoffs. And it helps that he has the best player that, that the good Lord ever created in LeBron James – uh, you know, oh, LeBron's on that team. That's who it was. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's I, okay. I mean, he's, he's an all right. I say that, I say that in jest. Obviously, obviously <laughs> LeBron is great and it's going to make everyone around him better as he, you know, as he did in Miami and, and as he did in, in Cleveland his first time around. But, yeah, Kyrie seems like has taken it to a new level this year. Seems like he is a lot more in control of his game and that when he scores a lot, it's because He's doing it still within the team. I think that there was some criticism of him early in his career. Or he's still early in his career, but the last couple of years that he he was going to only be able to shoulder the load for a bad team. And now he's shouldering a big load for a good team, for a really good team, a team that might be the the finals favorites, although maybe not so much anymore without Kevin Love. And they were, um, they were definitely – that was definitely something that early on the season you could tell that there was kind of a – I don't want to say a power struggle, but there was definitely that struggle – between Kyrie and his game and LeBron and, and LeBron's game. Um, and, LeBron, and, and their coach and what he wanted to do. And, well, I mean, their coach, I, I, you know, David Blatt, I mean, respect to the guy. that he, He's a coach, but uh, I feel at this point he's kind of a coach and name only. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. I saw him. I mean, I used to, I, I used to watch a lot of EuroLeague, uh, and I, I saw him coach with uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is the, which is the team he played – uh, or coach for before he got hired by the Cavaliers last summer. And they won the 2014 EuroLeague over my Real Madrid. And even in that game, he was getting pushed around by his own players. And that's not something that's very, you know, common in the European game. The European game, they will, like, if, if the coach tells you to walk on fire, you figure out a way to walk on fire and they will do it. But he was kind of getting pushed around there. And so it wasn't a shock to me that he showed up in Cleveland and these players and not just LeBron. I've seen, I've seen Kyrie do it a couple times. I've seen Anderson Verjao do it a couple times, which is because Anderson Verjao should not be calling any shots, but they have been really going around him and through him. And he's just kind of the, 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 the caretaker right now. Um, but you know what? It, we said the same thing about uh, Eric Spolstra um, his first year with the heat. People were saying that, you know, the big three was kind of walking through him, but he eventually got control of the team. And that's what, you know, got them to the promised land the next year. So maybe this is the same kind of uh, blueprint, but it's, it's always shaky to watch him try to call a play when the players on the court have a different view of things. Um, but getting back to the original point, Kyrie and LeBron kind of struggle with their game, but now they seem to have meshed together and figured out how their games can complement each other. And I think that has been the key for – their slow start to basically, you know, and now they're in, a, in the second round, just uh, clicking on all cylinders. All right. Can, can I just uh, say, wow, wow, did we go pretty far afield from Duke basketball when we were talking about 
how David Blatt coached when he was at Maccabi Tel Aviv. We, we like to think it's related. John Shire played for Maccabi Tel Aviv. Yes, he did. I, 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 good points. Good points. And, and, Kyle, <laughs> and Kyle Singler and Kyle Singler and uh, Marty Pochus also played for Real Madrid at the same time. Okay. So, hey, we're, we're we're always on topic. You here. win. Did you, have anything to add on, did you have anything to add on Kyrie? No, no. Can I can I get to the LA Clippers? <laughs> Do the Clippers. Do the Clippers. <laughs> all right, all right. So we'll, we'll move sorry, to Jason I, next. Jason, Jason's got the Clippers. All right. So uh, for the record, I think this is great content. This is good stuff, and people are tuning out the podcast left and right. <laughs> I think we should have stuck with Duke basketball. Uh, no, I, I'm 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 kidding. Okay. So uh, so I, I I drew the LA Clippers. I um which uh, I guess you could maybe call Duke Duke West. Um, because there are a number of uh, Duke-connected players involved in the Clippers. Um, uh, Dante Jones um, plays for the Clippers not really very much. He doesn't play very much. So we're not going to talk very much about Dante, but Dante, shout out, baby. You're still making an NBA check. Way to go. Um, still doing uh, still playing in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, still doing push-ups over, over <laughs> UVA players. He will, forever, <laughs> he will forever be beloved for that. So, uh, But I want to talk about um, J.J. Redick and Austin Rivers. Um uh, so I'll start with the good. Um, wow. Austin has been, uh, Austin Rivers has had sort of a tough time since coming over to the Clippers. There's been, you know, a, a pretty fair number of people who have, have mocked the fact that he's playing for his daddy and that his daddy saved his career and all the other kind of stuff. Well, Austin sort of spat in all their faces the other day. The Clippers had a absolute must win game at San Antonio. Uh, I don't know how many games San Antonio has lost at home in the past decade in the playoffs, but I, I bet you can count it one hand. Um, Antonio just does not lose at home very much. They were up two to one and they were about to put a stranglehold on this series. Um, and Chris Paul had a great game and there were other guys who played really well, but I think most people think the reason the Clippers won was because of Austin Rivers, who scored 16 points in 17 minutes on seven of eight shooting. Um, that's pretty efficient. That's pretty good. Austin Rivers is having a very, very good playoffs. He's now scored 27 points in his past two games. He's playing, you know, right around 20 minutes a game. Um, and when you consider that every minute he's on the floor is a minute that Chris Paul probably isn't on the floor or, or you know, uh, you know, Chris Paul certainly, uh, you know, is going to play a ton of time. And, and it's sort of hard to find room for for Austin Rivers, a backup point guard to fit in. Um, they're, they're playing Austin a little more on the wing now because they sort of are recognizing that he's playing really well. But Austin, um, you know, purely on the basis of that one win and that one performance has rehabbed his image tremendously. Um, there are people who say that that was his best game in a Clipper uniform. On the other end of the spectrum, and it's not quite that bad, but J.J. Redick has not had a great series against um, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Greg Popovich um, really told his team that one of the major things they needed to do was make sure that Reddick didn't get his shots. Uh, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard have been taking turns guarding J.J. Reddick and have really, really clamped down on him. Um, in the first three games of the series, J.J. was 10 of 32 from the field. That's not good for a guy who's supposed to be, you know, a, a consistent and efficient scorer for you. 10 of 32 is not where J.J. needed to be. Um he turned that around, though, in game four, which is a huge game for the Clippers. J.J. went 6 of 12 from the field. He, he hit his three-pointers, uh, which is obviously a big deal for him. He was 3 of 6 on three-pointers. He had 17 points. Um, and, and the Clippers, if they're going to advance, and, and God, the Western Conference playoffs are murder, but 
no one has it as bad as the Clippers do. I don't think drawing San Antonio in the first round, I, you know, how can you be the number three seed and you draw San Antonio in the first round? Most of the guys in Vegas think San Antonio is a favorite to win the title. Um, but uh, if the Clippers are going to get past San Antonio and they have a real, real good chance to do it, um, a lot of it's going to be on whether or not J.J. Redick continues to uh, play the way he did in game four and score. Uh, and by the way, in the postgame comments, um, Greg Popovich talked extensively about how much Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green need to do a better job on J.J. Redick. I mean, that was one of Greg Popovich's main points that he made in the postgame on game four, that they didn't shut down J.J. And that's what he knew they needed to do to win. Um, I think it's really interesting when you think about the big stars and the Clippers, the smartest man in the world of basketball, and Greg Popovich is, no, no offense, Coach K, love you, Coach K, but I think Greg Popovich is the smartest man in the world of basketball right now. Popovich said, we need to do a better job on J.J. Redick. That's how we're going to win this series. And I think that's a really interesting thing. Yeah, it, it, it's also adorable that J.J. Redick and Chris Paul are, are peacefully coexisting on a basketball court. I just love yes. that a lot. Yes, it is. <laughs> Um, all right, good, good rundown on the Clippers. I'll just give a, I'll, I'll give a brief shout because we, we have been running long and we do want to do a little bit of uh, a little bit more future speculation for the actual Duke basketball team. But I did want to touch on Mike Dunleavy, who is in his 13th NBA season. He, along with Carlos Boozer, the only guys left in the NBA from that 2001 national championship team. And Mike Dunleavy is still going strong. He is playing defense and shooting threes for the Bulls. And um, so just just quick shout-out to Mike Dunleavy. He has 40, 40% from three this year. Uh, so it, you, it's awesome. You forgot one. You forgot one. What was that? Dante Jones was a was a was redshirting that year. but he Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so he didn't play on the team, but he was in. He, he didn't was, play, but he, he gets the better range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have remembered that. Um, but uh, so Mike Dunleavy is a, a, a nice, con, nice bench contributor for the Bulls this year who are – up, I think three two on the Bucks now, and I think they yeah, have to advance and then lose by the, way, the Cavs. Um, but Dun- but Dunleavy had, had a Dunleavy had a bad game yeah. tonight. No, bummer. Yeah. Uh, it's Monday night. He, he didn't score any. He, he was he had an O for tonight. Well, but he's still he's still out there in the league, and that's awesome. Um, yes, yes, and he's been uh, playing great up until now. Still has yeah, his no, and 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 uh, and anybody who gets to play in the NBA for thirteen years must be doing something right. So shout out to Mike Dunleavy. I think we can leave the NBA discussion. I don't think we are the most qualified Duke basketball report uh, participants to be discussing it. So if you guys are okay, uh, we can move on. Is that all right? Oh, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I, wanted, I wanted to circle back to the actual Duke basketball team and just touch for a few minutes on what you guys think the look of the team is going to be next year. I know that we talked about it a little bit in, in discussing recruiting, but – um, I'll, I'll start with Donald. What is your outlook for the way that the team is going to work this year? And, and obviously our discussion is just, is just a little bit of all the wonderful discussion that you can read on the Duke Basketball Report forum, which will discuss minutes for the minutes distribution for the 2015-2016 Duke team right up until the last game of next season. So, Donald, why don't you go ahead and start. <laughs> give, me, give me your sort of quick preview from April of where you think Duke is going to be uh, come November. Uh, I think they're going to be really good. I think the, the, you know, for me, like I said, I don't follow recruiting until the very end. So now that I've seen the class and kind of looked at it, I'm not really 100% sure on how the lineup's going to fall. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because I think we have a lot of talent on our team. I think we have a lot of, uh, of room for competition. 
uh, for minutes. And I think that's going to make everybody better. Um, you know, I, I, I think the one position that's probably locked up uh, is Thornton at the point guard position. Uh, and Kennard would back him up, uh, according to uh, Coach K, when Thornton committed. Um, and I, I think, you know, other than that, you could see Allen at the two. You could see Jones at the two. Uh, you could see Ingram at the three or four. You could see Emil at the four. Um, Plumlee could start. Uh, Jeter could start. You know, it, it. You know, Ingram can be anywhere. Matt Jones can be anywhere. Uh, it, a lot of these guys play multiple positions. Grayson Allen, you know, could you know start at two positions as well. So uh, you can see these guys playing multiple positions. So I, I like to see uh, how they would do. There's going to be a lot of times where Coach K can employ multiple sets. Um, and I think that's probably what he's going to spend the summer on kind of thinking about and seeing, you know, who he wants to fall into what position and where, you know, eventually what his go-to guys are going to be. Uh, I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to watch is how that competition over the summer um, and, the, and the start of fall practice leads to uh, this lineup kind of settling into a formation of sorts. But it's not going to be the lineup, I don't think. I don't think we're going to have a situation where we have the lineup that that plays, you know, every time uh, you could come home at 6.59 and know at 7 o'clock that the five guys will be walking down the court to, to tip off. Um, so I think that's a, I, I think it's a good thing. I think that comp- competition is going to make everybody better, faster. And, you know, with this team with a lot of young talent, uh, it's going to be good to get them up to speed early. Don, yeah, Donald, I, I you are, Jason, oh, go ahead, Jason. Well, I was going to say, Donald, you are, Donald, you are so right, I think, that, that, it is going to be really hard to project who's going to play. And and to me, it, it I, I'm going to be really interested in seeing if coach K again, sort of adapts his thinking because uh, this past season, uh, you know, it's not news to anyone to say that coach K changed his mind about the value of his own defense. Um, I'm wondering if coach K is going to change his mind about the value of running different combinations and playing more of his bench because Boy, traditionally, Coach K settles on five, maybe six guys, and he doesn't use a lot of other players. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess this year, you know, we we went seven, we went eight deep. But I mean, we, you know, Grayson Allen, it wasn't until very late in the season that he was playing very much, and and Marshall was really playing just to to give um, Jalil Okafor a little bit of a of a break, um, so that Jalil wasn't running completely out of gas. Next year, there are going to be so many combinations, and and I'm going to be really interested in seeing if Kay says, all right, these are my five who are going to play the 30-plus minutes, each one of them, or if he's, you know, if there's a lot more opportunity. I mean, think about it. I, I'll, I'll give you a scenario. How impossible, is it impossible to imagine that Marshall Plumley is in the middle, one of Sean Obi or um, or uh, Emil Jefferson is at the four, um, uh, uh, Brandon Ingram, I'm sorry, Chase Jeter is, is at the th- is at the three. Chase Jeter can play the three. Brandon Ingram's at the two, and you put Kennard or Grayson Allen at the point guard. That's like NBA that size. Enormous. That is a That's monster easy. lineup. Yeah, um, six eleven small uh, you know, forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and and Donald, you were talking a little bit, uh, you know, about who's going to fall into what role and things like that. And who's a guaranteed starter. The guy you didn't mention is Matt Jones. I can't imagine with the way Matt Jones plays defense and the way coach K values defense that Matt Jones, is not going to start? But at the same time, I'm looking around at the combinations and who we need to put out there and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, maybe Matt Jones doesn't start. Emil Jefferson 
is a senior, been in the program forever and a day, is as good a defensive post player as there is at Duke. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys heard the stories, but supposedly when um, Winslow and Okafor picked up their, you know, their fouls late in the, sort of midway through the Wisconsin game, um, Emil Jefferson turned to Coach K and said, put me in on Frank Kaminsky. I'm taking care of this for you. And he did. Um, I can't imagine there's a scenario where Emil Jefferson isn't a starter next year. But if we say, okay, we know that Thornton's going to be a starter. But he wasn't even a starter. But he wasn't even a starter at the end of this past season. I, you know? I know. I'm. I'm. I'm right. saying it's like projecting this is so difficult to me at this point. Um, I, you know, there are. I was thinking about it, there are seven guys at least that I can make a case absolutely are going to be starters. <laughs> but there are only five starting positions. I, it, it's premature, but it's. I, I think to me the really interesting thing is going to be to see if Coach K settles on five, or if he really plays seven, eight, nine guys, you know, pretty equally, which he which he could. He's got he's got that possibility, I think, this year because I'm not sure there's any one of them who is going to stand out so much that you say he must be on the floor. Um, it'll be interesting. I think, I think we're going to see. You know, it, again, if 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 Coach K wants to add all that flexibility, I think we're going to see lineups that are especially ferocious in offense and lineups that are especially ferocious in defense. And and you alluded to it by talking about how we can get really big, we can get really small by putting Emil Jefferson at center. You know, if we're playing a team that doesn't have a traditional center, we can put Emil Jefferson at, at center and Brandon Ingram at, at power forward. And then you've got uh, three of Thornton, Jones, Allen, and, uh, and Kennard out on the wing. And, oh, my God, that team's going to move the ball and score so well. Um, Boy, and can you imagine so, that team in the fast break? Those guys are fast. That is a lot of yeah. speed. I'm, I'm very interested to see. And, and you know, we speculate a lot about how much Grayson Allen is going to is going to buff from a national championship game performance. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But there are so many ways, you know, if we take, if we take Houston Regional Matt Jones and we take national championship game Grayson Allen as, as the heads of the offense, I mean, man, that team is going to be able to score a lot of points. I, I think that there are a lot of, a lot of ways you can see this Duke team succeeding next year, and that's the best thing about it is that, is that if if it turns out that Grayson Allen can't score 14 points a game by driving and, and shooting threes, that's going to be okay because maybe Matt Jones is going to be able to make a lot of shots, or Kennard is going to be able to make a lot of shots, or or Brandon Ingram, or Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I think that I think that the, the best thing that this Duke team has going for them um, is the versatility. And and one thing that I that I mentioned sort of at the top of the show today that I found really interesting is that Coach K already appointed the three captains for next year. And I don't think it's a any particular surprise. It's the three it's the three uh, upperclassmen, Plumlee, Jones, and and Jefferson. But it was interesting that he that he made that announcement so early with so many new guys coming in. You know there are there are going to be six freshmen plus Sean Obi, who who's obviously with the program this year but but didn't play. This team's going to have a totally different identity next year than it, than it did this past year, winning the national championship. And I bet that, that there's going to be a lot of focus on getting those guys in in the summer and and getting them, you know, integrated really quickly so that so that they feel like they're they're part of the program immediately because those freshmen are going to have to contribute a lot this year, the same way they did this past year. And and I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure put on on those three upperclassmen to be to be big time leaders in a way that I don't think any of them necessarily were this past year. Emil was the captain, but Quinn Cook was really the emotional center of this team. I'm curious to see where that leadership comes from, from those three guys. And, you know, I don't think that, I don't think that any of us would have put Marshall Plumley or Matt Jones as 
past year's team, but they're going to have to step into those roles next year and, and lead a talented squad. Very well stated. I, I couldn't agree more. Hey, are we going to do like parting uh, shots? Do we have final thoughts or anything like that? Yeah, um, let's uh, let's move to parting shots. I guess I will start with Jason. What, what do you have to say before we sign off? I'm not sure um, when we're going to be back, so you know, lay it all out now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I got two things I wanted to, to mention really quickly. Um, the first one is uh, we, we talked a bit about how Brandon Ingram um, affected UNC and how UNC hasn't gotten anybody. Um, we haven't talked that much about how Kentucky hasn't gotten anybody. Um, Kentucky, uh, after uh, the, the national championship game was played and, and everyone was still celebrating Duke winning, all the experts out there were saying, oh, as we look ahead to the 2016 season, Kentucky's going to be right back in the mix for the national title. In fact, there are people saying Kentucky was, was a likely preseason number one. Um, that was before they missed on Brandon Ingram. That was before they missed on Malik Newman. That was before they missed on Steven Zimmerman. Um, all these guys that everyone just assumed Kentucky was going to get because Kentucky gets all the great recruits every single year, right? Um, they didn't, and they haven't. Um, they're still in the running for Jalen Brown, uh, and there are a couple other guys uh, that they possibly get, but A, the 2015 class isn't nearly as good as 2014 or, or several of the past years, and, and B, Kentucky just hasn't gotten a lot of these guys. Um, they got a couple really good recruits coming in, although the best of them, uh, Scal Labissiere, uh, may have eligibility problems. Um, if, if he can't play, Kentucky's going to be terrible. Kentucky's going to be Kentucky may be, you know, barely a middle of the pack uh, SEC team, not middle of the pack, you know, but they, they will not dominate the SEC. Um, so that was the first thing I wanted to bring up. And the second thing was, is it fair, is it before you move to the, to the second thing, is it fair to say ahead. that, that Kentucky is Zoolander and Duke is Hansel at this point? Oh, <laughs> I love you for bringing that up. Yes. yes <laughs> that would be accurate. <laughs> uh, so the other thing I wanted to bring up was, um, I think, you know, I forget which one of you it was, one of you briefly mentioned um, the, the videos and the such from, from the, the, the team banquet um, that happened just a, a few days ago. Um, people, if you have not seen the video of Coach K giving Grayson Allen the One Shining Moment Award, this is must-see TV like there has never been must-see TV. As we all know, every year Duke gives out at the awards banquet, they give out, you know, best defensive player and the team MVP and there's a captain's award and and who took the most charges and all these kind of things. Well, Coach K went ahead and said that he was giving a special award. They were calling it the One Shining Moment Award, and it would be given only in years where Duke won the national title. So this would be only the fifth possible time we could give a One Shining Moment Award. And he gave it to Grayson Allen. Um, and I think if you ask the Duke fan nation, oh, Coach K has given a special award to Grayson Allen for having one great shining moment in the Final Four. What moment was that? Um, you'd have a lot of people who would say, oh, that that huge monster slam against Michigan State. A lot of people would say, oh, it had to be that, that momentum-changing three he had against Wisconsin. And others might say, no, no, no. It was the time he took the ball to the basket hard against Wisconsin, right after making the three, and he got fouled after making the basket and made the three-point play. No. Coach K gave Grayson Allen the One Shiny Moment Award for the moment where Grayson Allen got fouled while making a steal against Wisconsin. It was right after he hit the three, right before he goes ahead and has the three-point play. Um, and he, he, he was going after a ball. He knocked a ball loose from the Wisconsin point guard, whose name I'm completely blanking on at the moment. Was it Koenig? Uh, it was. It was Bronson yeah, Koenig. Koenig. 
Yes. He knocked it loose from him, and uh, and Grayson Allen is going after the ball, and Koenig had to foul Grayson Allen as Allen was sort of falling out of bounds to prevent Allen from saving the ball. And by the way, Allen made an incredible, incredible athletic play. He, he actually does save the ball, but he got fouled first. And Coach K said that was the one shiny moment, that, that Allen was playing so hard on defense that it lifted the entire Duke team, that every single guy said, wait a second, I see what Grayson's doing. I'm going to do the same thing. And that is why we won the national title. Folks, if you have not seen the video of Kay giving this award to Grayson Allen, you're missing something. So that's my parting shot. And I just love, I love that Coach Kay said defense. That is what won the title for us. Because he's right. He's absolutely right. And uh, it's just, just too great, too wonderful. Okay, I'm done. I like it. I like it. Donald. Uh, I, I think my only parting shot that I'm going to do is, is, like I said, I was in Cameron yesterday. Uh, the old girl still looks great, even though they're starting the, uh, the, the additions to the outside, uh, the main lobby um, of Cameron. The, the inside looks so great. Uh, I, I just want to give a shout out to the uh, line monitors. Um, as you guys know, I was a former line, head line monitor. Uh, and the card, the kiosk, or the, 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 the kiosk where we have the uh, swipe to, or card swipes, uh, I actually have my name on it along with all the other uh, – uh, headline monitors, um, and I, I just want to let you guys know um, that there needs to be some updating of the of the kiosk because it only shows that we've won four national championships, and uh, of course we've won five. So hopefully that'll get done over the summer, and I look forward to seeing the newly renovated uh, line monitor kiosk uh, when I come back to Cameron in the fall. Nice, I like it. Um, I had a I had a couple parting notes. The first is for uh, DBR forum contributor Devil Deke, who I promised that if we if we got Brandon Ingram today, that I would go and pick up some fine Colorado double IPAs to drink. So I had a a, uh, a mercenary double IPA with my dinner tonight. So that that's for him. Um, we talked briefly about Duke football. I saw that the uh, football program tweeted out a link this was either this morning or yesterday to CBS's current draft. Uh, NFL draft predictions, and they're saying that Lakin Tomlinson, our offensive lineman, is projected now to go in the first round of the NFL draft this weekend, which would be an incredible accomplishment for the football program. I think a lot of folks um, know about Lakin Tomlinson and what uh, and a, an incredible and accomplished young man he is, and, and it's just it's it, it it's on top of him being such a wonderful student and and future doctor. I think is his plan. He's apparently going to be a, a, a top NFL draft pick, which is just great for him and great for the program. It says a lot of good things about what Coach Cutcliffe is doing, that, that we can have first-round draft picks coming from Duke. And finally, um, I neglected to mention at the top of the show that I've been doing this whole show while wearing my brand-new flat-brim snapback gold-studded <laughs> locker room official Duke National Champion oh. 2015 hat. Um, it hey, it's funny. Has- I've been wearing the same hat. It's, it is, oh, it is as offensive. It is as offensive, if not more offensive, than I thought it was going to be, and I'm so happy about it. I can't even tell you guys. It may never leave the house. It may be, it may be too outrageous to wear on the street, um, but I will wear it around the apartment, and I will cherish it dearly. I it definitely wear it on the street. Feel. The streets have seen me in this. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm so disgusted. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm such an old man. <laughs> You're... Your face lights up every time you wear it, too. It's so great. 
<laughs> oh my god, I, I I look in the mirror and it's like I'm glowing. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's it, it's so offensive. I, I don't know what to do with this hat, um, except wear it at home and look at it. Oh, and and good uh, luck to uh, Jameson Crowder as well on Thursday night. I think he's going to go pretty high too, or not Thursday. He'll probably go in the second or third round on Friday. Um, but I think he's going to go pretty high too. So best luck yeah. to him. I hope the Lions get him. Yeah, I think that it, it, it looks like it looks like Tomlinson, Crowder, and then uh, offensive lineman Jacoby Cofield. Uh, all three of them, it seemed like, are going to get drafted this weekend. So that's pretty cool for Duke. Uh, I, I don't actually think that Tomlinson's going to go in the first round. I think he's more likely in the second, but mm-hmm. you never know. So um, good, good stuff all around for Duke. They've had a, a pretty impressive April for for uh, for the basketball team and then and for the football team as well. So uh, if that's it for you guys. Are we uh, are we all set? Did, did we cover everything? I, it, 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 there, there was so much to touch on this week or this, these last two weeks, I guess. Anyone else have anything to to add? I don't no, know. We're good. Let's go. All right. Well, <laughs> um, for <laughs> good. Well, then we can go to sleep. For Donald Wine and for Jason Evans, I'm Sam Klein. We are the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke Marching Band, take us home. Mm-hmm.